this is how we fight our battles. How incredible of a reminder that that is. And I pray and hope that this morning you have been doing spiritual warfare right there in your living room, right there wherever you're watching and participating in the service as you have allowed your praise, your worship, uh, to be the weapon of your warfare this morning. And we want to continue that same level of spiritual warfare and victory uh, as we dive into God's Word. And so we pick up uh, the sword, our sword, uh, the Word of God, and we open them up to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. And uh, we are continuing this morning in our second week as we look at uh, the, the, uh, the Beatitudes and specifically the Sermon on the Mount. And, and so as we look to this, uh, I want to revisit Matthew 5, and we're going to begin reading in, in verse 2. And this is, of course, Jesus teaching the multitude uh, there. And this is what he says in Matthew 5 and verse 2. He says that Jesus opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they, they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I am thankful for these commands, these directions that Jesus gives us on what it means to live out the Christian life. And as we pray to begin and dive into God's word this morning, will you just allow his spirit to speak to you and to open up your mind and heart to receive everything that he has to say as we uh, just come to him with sincerity and with humble hearts this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I love you and I praise you for your word and for your declaration that, God, that we can come and understand what it is and how it is that you call us to live out, God, the Christian life. And so, Lord, this morning, God, I, I pray that you will just speak to us and that, God, as we open up our minds and our hearts, our spirits to receive from you, that, God, your spirit will breathe life and speak into us, God, and change us, challenge us, encourage us, God, in each and every area of our life. God, we love you and we praise you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. One of my fondest of memories that when I think about growing up is, is being able to visit grandparents' houses. And uh, for those of you that know my story, I grew up as a, as a military brat. My dad was in the Air Force. Uh, my mom was Air Force Reserves. And so I grew up living and by moving everywhere. And and so because there was no true, quote-unquote, home, that meant grandparents' houses that didn't change, always kind of had that sense of what home was. And my grandparents that lived in San Diego, they uh, I loved visiting them. And one of the things that I loved uh, about visiting them there was uh, the, the climate and the fruit trees. My grandfather loved to garden, and he had a greenhouse in his backyard, and he loved to grow fruit trees. And uh, specifically, I mean, he had uh, a tangerine tree. He had a peach tree. He had an apricot tree. And so uh, the, this fresh fruit that was grown there in California, it just it tasted different when it's fresh. And 
And uh, I think many of you out there understand and know, and there's a, there's a big difference between a, a homegrown tomato and a tomato that's bought in the grocery store. And, and the same is true with that fruit, you know, that when we would go visit my grandparents, I loved being able to pick the fruit fresh off of the tree. And uh, the sweetness and the flavor, it definitely was a highlight of, of, of my visits there in San Diego. When I think about fruit, and I specifically think about uh, that context, uh, I, I'm always taken back to that. And in our Beatitudes last week, we looked at uh, the beginning, and we looked at the first half, if you would, of the Beatitudes. And specifically, we talked about on Mother's Day the, the roots of these Beatitudes that God has given us and even spoken to us through, uh, through moms and, and through motherhood. And, and those roots come together, and of that emptying out, it allows us the opportunity to have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. And as we do, it is God who comes and fills us up. And kind of building on that tree picture and that tree metaphor, we see that those roots of the first three Beatitudes uh, bring us to this emptying out. And then the, the strength of the hunger and thirst for righteousness, it fills us up and brings us up to this place of stability and strength. So that these last uh, three uh, particular Beatitudes, uh, they bring us to this place of bearing what I call fruit. The fruit of the Christian life. The fruit that we will bear. The fruit... <coughs> that we will be known as, as Christians, as believers, uh, that we can come and have exhibited or be able to be seen in our life. And I want to look, uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to look at each specific fruit of the Beatitudes, this, uh, this fruit of what God wants us to have exhibited in our life. And the first one that we're going to look at, this first fruit, it says there in verse 7, and it's kind of where we're going to focus tonight, today. And it says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. To be merciful, it means that you have compassion. To have mercy in your life, it means that even when someone wrongs you, even when someone betrays you, even when someone offends you, that you are still going to have compassion on them rather than trying to harm them. That you are going to try to do them good. That becomes the very definition or picture of mercy that we look at. And you see, because mercy chooses to repay evil, not evil for evil, but rather chooses to repay uh, with good and overcome evil with good. In fact, Romans chapter 12 and verse 21 uh, says this, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, the reality is, is that every single one of us want to be forgiven and we all want to experience forgiveness, whether from God or from other people. But we sometimes, many times, find it difficult or find it hard to admit that we ourselves need forgiveness. How difficult it is to humble ourselves, to ask for forgiveness from a friend or a family member. Or even maybe to come before God and say, God, I am sorry. Will you please forgive me? Sometimes we struggle with that idea of us needing forgiveness, and we also sometimes struggle with forgiving others. I'm reminded this morning of when God appeared before Moses on Mount Sinai, and he was giving them, giving Moses ultimately the, the law and the Ten Commandments, and that it says in Exodus chapter 34 and verse 6, it says that the Lord passed in front of Moses, and he, call, and he was calling out, and this is what God calls out to Moses there on Mount Sinai in this description of who God is. Listen to it. It says, Yahweh, the Lord, 
the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Here God describes himself in this way with four attributes that we see there. And we're not going to dive real deep, but I think that I hope that this brings you comfort and joy this morning as we realize that here God describes himself as being compassionate, God is merciful, God is slow to anger, and God is abounding in love and faithfulness. When we really reflect upon this description of who God is, that all of these kind of feed into each other, the idea that love and compassion and being slow to anger all become so closely connected and tied to God being merciful. You see, this becomes this what the picture of mercy should look like in our life as we experience it. And, and that there is no limit, we understand, to God's mercy because there is no limit to his love. There is no limit to his compassion and that we recognize that he is slow to anger. You see, we come this morning and we need to be reminded maybe that there is no sin too great, that we are able to come, that Forgiveness is able to be there and present. That There is no sin that God is not able to forgive. There is no debt too large for him to pardon. And, and so sometimes when we face our, our spiritual struggles and sometimes when we face these embarrassing failures, we need to be reminded that God is merciful and that he calls us with compassion and slow to anger, that he's ready to uh, meet us with love and with faithfulness as we come and find him. And you see this gift of mercy we recognize comes uh, into our life and that the reason that we're able to experience mercy is because of the love of Christ, the love of God that he would send his one and only son to die on the cross for you and I. And, and in fact, in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8, we see this connection between love and mercy uh, uh, drawn out to us. It says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. You see, God does this with us. He, he covers every sin, every shortcoming, every wrong that we've ever been guilty of. He covers them with his love. He covers them with oh, the love that he has of redemption, the love and compassion that he has for you and I. And so we understand that God in his abundance of love, he is defined as love. It is what motivates him to be able to extend compassion and mercy into our lives, oh, we come and we understand that, that his love covers not just our sin, but the sin of the entire world. And we are reminded this morning that God truly is merciful because mercy comes from mercy. We, we, we find it difficult to extend mercy if we've never been on the receiving end of it. God has extended such an incredible amount of mercy to all of us, to you and I. And I think about that, and I think about that mercy that well, I've been on the receiving end, and it uh, helps me to be mindful of the mercy that God calls me to extend to those around me. You see, to those that have experienced great mercy, we become more willing to extend that same mercy. In fact, a merciful person will look for ways in order to spare the embarrassment or the shame of, of someone who has failed or has fallen short in Proverbs 19, uh, 11, it says this. It says, sensible people control their temper and they earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Let me read that again. Proverbs 19, 11 tells us that sensible people 
control their temper, and they earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Here is this call to you and I to be able to exhibit mercy, not just in Proverbs, but we see it here in the words of Christ in the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. How does life look if we forgive those that have offended us? How does life look if we become ready to extend mercy and forgiveness? I am thinking about in terms of uh, track, and, and one of my favorite times of year is the Olympics, and I love, uh, I love the swimming competition in the Olympics, and I love the track and field competition in the Olympics. And I, I, I hate that the Olympics aren't going to happen this year. They've been, of course, postponed because of uh, COVID-19. And, uh, but when I think about those, one of the interesting things that I love watching in the track and field is specifically the hurdles event. Now, you have seen those hurdling events yourself, and if you're like me, I watch these incredible athletes run, and they jump over these hurdles, uh, and it seems like, you know, no problem. They have no trouble with it whatsoever, and I'll never forget the first time I was uh, at a high school track meet, and I actually saw the hurdles that they had to jump over, and I guess I had never realized how tall those hurdles were, and I thought, oh my goodness, I would fall flat on my face if I tried to run and jump over one of those hurdles, but, but yet Olympic athletes do it with ease, and, and, uh, and so I think about that, and, and of course the key is in jumping over those hurdles that you don't see the athletes running as fast as they can up to the hurdle and then stop and then try to step over the hurdle, or then try to jump over. But no, they run, and they get this running start, and they allow this running start and their momentum to carry them to leap over uh, that hurdle. And they use the momentum of them running to help them get up and to get over the obstacle of the hurdle. I think that this, that becomes an incredible picture that God gives us of what really forgiveness and extending mercy is all about. You see, if we come to the point of offense and we come to the point of being wronged or even recognizing that someone around us that we love has, has fallen short and maybe embarrassed themselves or brought shame to themselves, it's in that moment, if we just try to all of a sudden, from a standing moment, just try to all of a sudden leap over this hurdle of the offense, then we will fall flat on our face. We will not be successful. But you see, what God wants us to be able to do is to have this momentum that of Christian living, this momentum of Christian life to be able to help us to get over and to extend mercy to those around us. I don't believe it's by coincidence that, that merciful, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy is not found at the very beginning, but rather here we find it in the middle. And after uh, we find the three roots of blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek or the humble and the yielding. Uh, and when we recognize those things that that after we have emptied ourselves out before God and that we've come before him empty and that we have filled ourselves up with a thirst and a hunger for righteousness, it is then that we begin to see God able to move. The momentum of, of these prior beatitudes that we have looked at already bring us to this place of really being able to experience mercy in our own lives and to extend that mercy. I'm reminded of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. Through 32, It tells us, and I think that we look, and I'm going to look at very quickly three very simple principles of what it means to extend forgiveness and mercy into the lives of others. 
Ephesians 4 says this, And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. For remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander as well as all types of evil behavior. And instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. See, the first thing that we need to remember is that we need to remember that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit lives in us. God's Spirit is identified as our own, that, that, that He has sealed us as belonging to God. And when we remember that the Holy Spirit lives and dwells and resides in us as believers, it is there that we are able to understand and begin to have some momentum to get across the hurdle of extending mercy to those that are around us. You see, I know that if you're watching here just by the nature of humanity and life that you have experienced hurts that are probably much greater and deeper than anything I've ever experienced or could imagine. And as we reflect upon those deep hurts, I want you to know that while I may not fully be able to understand what you feel and what you have felt or what you've gone through, I want you to know that God does. That it is Christ who sees you. It is Christ who sees those hurts. And it is Christ who has experienced the kind of hurt and betrayal like none other. You see, the hurts that we understand that Jesus experienced, no one, no one has had more to forgive than God himself. No one has had to extend mercy more than him. You see, every sin that we have committed, every sin that you have committed, every sin that I have committed has been a sin against God. Not just us as individuals, but think about, oh, the sin of every person that has ever lived. All, all that sin is a sin against him. And those wrongs, that, those shortcomings, those failures, those wrongs have been against him. I can't imagine the, the personal hurt in nature that is brought in the heart of God. But yet, even with that, Jesus comes and he hangs on a cross to die for our sins. To say and put into action that love covers that multitude of sin. And it is in this moment that I want to remind you that as a believer, Christ lives within you and the Spirit of God lives within us. When we remember that and we are reminded of that, that it means that that idea of forgiveness is not up to us. It's not based in our own ability. It's not based in what we are able to do in our humanity. But rather the ability to forgive is rooted and rested in the power of God that resides in you. It resides in me. And this morning, I want you to be encouraged that that wrong or that offense, that that situation that God is calling you to demonstrate and extend mercy in, it is not something that he's expecting you to do all by yourself, but rather he's wanting you to be reminded that he lives and dwells within you and that through his power that you are able to have that momentum to be able to get up and over the hurdle of that wrong and that hurt and that offense. If you will just be reminded today, that the Spirit of God lives and dwells within you. That same Spirit that allowed Jesus Christ to hang on the cross and said, Father, I forgive them, for they know not what they do, is the same Spirit that lives and dwells inside of you and I. You see, 
The second thing that we need to remember is not just that the Holy Spirit lives in us, but we need to remember and, and, and be reminded that we do not need to dwell on the injury or the hurt itself. Uh, in that Ephesians 4, verse 31, I want you to listen to these emotions and these things. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. When we start thinking about bitterness and wrath or rage, we think about harsh words and slander, we think about anger, all of these actions or emotions, these things come and, uh, out of the nursing and the feeding and the dwelling on the hurt or the injury that has, been ha that has happened to us in our life. Someone has wronged you, someone maybe has wronged you, and your mind, what does it do? It keeps rehearsing what happened. It keeps rehearsing and playing it over like a horrible uh, <coughs> horror movie in our mind, in our heart, as we relive it. And every time we relive it, it is, uh, it is keep think, we keep thinking and experiencing the emotions of that hurt, and we experience the pain of that moment. And as we dwell on the injuries, we dwell on that, all we're doing is stoking up the fires of the hurt. Uh, this past weekend was kind of a, <clears throat> a remarkable Mother's Day weekend in the sense that it was cold at night, much colder than you would ever think uh, it should be in May. And, and in fact, it got so cold that we even uh, we had a fire uh, in the fireplace and it just I couldn't believe it. And I was reminded in that moment of, of the having a fire going in the fireplace. We had uh, it was going, and of course that fire began to uh, to begin to die out. And so I got the uh, the fireplace poker, and I began to stoke the fire there, and began to uh, move and, and and adjust the the logs that were there on the fire. And of course, as I did that, the uh, the flames began to revive, and they began to get uh, higher again and, and catch on to fresh new pieces of the wood uh, that hadn't necessarily caught fire yet. And and as it, as I stoked it, and as that fire continued to grew, and I also noticed that I became very aware of how hot it became as I was standing there. And, and I think about that picture of stoking the fire in the fireplace last weekend when I think about this idea of dwelling on the injury or the offense that has been done into our lives. It is there that we realize that as we dwell on it, as we replay it in our mind, as we rehearse what we wish we had said, as we uh, think about, oh, it would have been nice to have let them have it by saying this, or it would have been nice to have showed them how angry I was or getting back at them by doing this. As we rehearse those things, we are stoking the fire of unforgiveness. We're stoking the anger and the bitterness and the wrath and the slander and the harsh words and all of those things that Ephesians chapter 4 tells us to get rid of. And so I challenge us tonight not to stoke the fires of those offenses, but rather instead we need to take captive every thought and we need to be reminded of what God tells us to think about. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 it tells us this. It says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, on what is honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. See, that's what we need to dwell on. We don't need to dwell on uh, the, the wrong and, and the injuries and, and the offenses, but rather we need to think upon those 
good and noble and admirable things, those things that are worthy of praise, those things that are excellent. And, and so I encourage you to put this exercise into practice. Allow thinking upon good things and godly things and heavenly things to allow there to be a momentum in your life and in your heart so that you can overcome the hurdles of whether or not to extend mercy to those that are around you. Because the Lord tells us, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Instead of uh, tearing down those others around us, instead of dwelling on the offenses, instead of dwelling on it personally, we don't, also don't need to vent about it to other people. We don't need to do those kinds of things. Instead, we need to come to our third thing, and that is have compassion. We need to have compassion, to have momentum, to be able to extend mercy. Ephesians 4, verse 32, to kind of remind us of what it said. Instead, instead of those other things that we just looked at said be kind to each other be tender hearted and compassionate forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you see Jesus he tells us not just Paul through Paul in Ephesians 4 but Jesus talks to us about this idea in Matthew chapter 9 in verse 36 he said that when it says when Jesus saw the crowds it says that he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You see, Jesus looked at them and he recognized that they were lost, they were confused as sheep without a shepherd. But the reality is, is that the people that he was looking upon and having compassion didn't even realize that they were confused and lost. The unfortunate reality for many of us is that when we have been wronged, that the people around us and the people who have hurt us may not even realize it. And so we need to be like Jesus. We need to look upon them and we need to have compassion. The people that Jesus observed didn't even know that they were lost and the person or the people that have sinned against you or against us that maybe they are just as blind to their own offense. And this becomes the mode of Christ that we need to follow and that we need to make sure that we are able to say, God, help me to have a heart of compassion. Because it is in the middle of having a heart of compassion that I am reminded that Jesus has looked at me with a heart of compassion. And he has extended mercy, and he has extended grace, and he has extended forgiveness. And that same compassion that God has demonstrated towards me, I come, just as Ephesians 4 says, and I extend that mercy and that forgiveness to others. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I encourage and challenge us today that no matter what it may be that's going on in your life, that you will remember that the Holy Spirit of God lives in you and that you are not going to dwell on the injury or the hurt or the pains, but rather dwelling upon the things that are of God and that thirdly, that we are going to together have compassion on the people that are around us in the same manner in which Christ has had compassion in our lives. The Lord's Prayer in teaching us that, He says, Forgive those who have sinned against us. And so we come and we say, God, forgive us as we forgive others. And so as we close this morning, will you allow God to meet you right where you are? Maybe you need God to demonstrate 
a compassion and a healing in your life today. And maybe you need to come and say, God, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Because you realize that you have sinned against God and you haven't talked to him about it. And this morning, I invite you to do just that. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness of sin. Maybe you've turned your back on God and you need to come running back to him and completely surrender everything to him. Or maybe this morning you need to be able to say, God, help me to be able to have the momentum to get over the hurdle of unforgiveness or the hurts in my life and help me to be able to operate in the same power of the Spirit of God and help me to be able to think about good things and godly things and to be able to extend compassion. If that's you, then just I believe that if you pray and as you call upon God, that God will answer the beatitude here of Matthew 5, 7 that says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Will you allow me to pray with you this morning? God, I praise you and I worship you. That God, that you are a God of grace and forgiveness. And that God, that you have come and you have met us right where we are in the middle of our failures, in the middle of our shortcomings. And God, I pray that you help us to bear out the fruit of the Beatitudes. To God, not just empty ourselves out to you, but God, not just to have a hunger and a thirst for things of God and righteousness, but God, we say, God, I want to have the sweet tasting and sweet smelling fruit of mercy in our lives. And as we make that our prayer today, God, help us to have that momentum. Help us to have the Spirit of God moving and working in our lives and in our hearts, God. Help us to be able to uh, not be so fixated on the hurts and the pains, but God, rather we're thinking about the good things. And God, help us to be able to have compassion that we can extend one to another in the same way that, God, that we know that we have received compassion from you. And so, God, help us to be able to pray prayers of forgiveness this morning. God, as we, oh, Lord, lay everything down before you, and that, God, we say, Lord, today we purpose and choose to forgive those that have wronged us. We purpose and choose to forgive them and to release them. And that, God, that we're not holding on, we're not uh, harboring that unforgiveness or bitterness, but, God, we are releasing them and letting it go. And that, God, that we're calling upon you because, God, we want to be the description of the Beatitudes that says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Bless the people as they make this declaration in their lives this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed this morning and maybe you received Christ or maybe uh, you returned to Christ or maybe you just had a breakthrough in your life, in your heart, I would love to connect with you. would love to be able to uh, pray with you and even we have some resources available to you uh, go to our website uh, or message us uh, directly or even call the church office we'd love to be able to uh, put these resources in your hands to be able to help you and to equip you to live a victorious life let us worship with the team as they come to remind us and we worship with them to say lord you are the king of our hearts <laughs>